Welcome back, my friends, to the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I am Wilk from WilkFromWilkFroll.com, and in episode 58 of the D-Rate the Hate podcast, we're going to be speaking with Master Life Coach Deborah Keegan. We're going to be talking about stepping out of our comfort zone and into the courage zone. Now, we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. We're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. So each week, I try to find some intriguing guests to help me help you better your life. So what have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? This week's guest, Deborah Keegan, is a certified master life coach and behavior change specialist, assisting her clients using various tools and techniques to reframe thoughts and modify behaviors to build a life that they love. With four certifications and more than a decade of experience, Deborah can help transform your life. She is best known for her exceptional communication skills, which helps her connect with her clients to produce accelerated results in areas including parenting, weight loss, blended families, marriage, and many other life situations. Outside of coaching, Deborah strives to participate in daily activities that push her out of her comfort zone and into that courage zone that we were talking about. She's a firm believer in practicing what you preach, which brings a special authenticity to her coaching style, helping to motivate, transform, and empower her clients. Deborah Keegan, thank you for joining the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, um, so on your bio, you're listed as a master life coach. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what is a... What is a master life coach and, and how does how does that title come to be? I, m- I imagine there's some work that goes behind that. Yeah, I became a master servant life coach probably about 14 years ago now before life coaching was even a thing where I had to explain myself when I would say I'm a master certified life coach. What's a life coach? So it was kind of before the time. Basically what it is, it's life coaching. You've, you know, a lot of people have heard that term nowadays, you know, life coaching. But the program that I took in order to become a master certified coach, you also had to have extra credentials in leadership, financial and health and wellness. So because when I took the course, I fell in love with the program. I did. I I love, I have a passion for people. I love helping them. So I thought that this would no better way than to dive in just a little bit deeper. Very nice. So you said you have some other, other certifications. How did that, that transition come to be? And I know you say you love people and what were the other certifications that led up to that? Um, after I became um, a certified coach, I, I loved it. And what I found was that it all comes down to our behavior, why we do what we do, our thinking process. And so I became a certified behavior change specialist because that's where it all starts is in the mind is our behavior. And the brain is just amazing the way that it functions, the way that it thinks. And, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I'm broke. Well, nope, that's a mindset. I have this problem. It's a mindset. So if we can change the mind, if we can change the thinking, then we can change the life. And then I'm also a certified health and wellness coach as well. Nice. Yeah. I I saw that, uh, I saw that you, you also do weight loss coaching and parental coaching. So you work with, um, kids, families, marriages, so you kind of run the gambit in what you're doing. And and that's a, that's a, that's a very nice thing. One of the things that, uh, we talk about on the D-Rate to Hate podcast a lot is, uh, changing our behavior and not allowing our emotions to dictate our behavior. And, and I think that's so important. So when I, when I see somebody uh, who does what you do, you know, life coach, 
behavior change specialists, those things stand out in my mind because you're right. Our, our behaviors, it's not like it's some preconceived thing that we have no control over. It, we don't. I mean, we've, we've got control over uh, our behavior and, and we have to learn to, uh, you know, I talk about when I was younger, I, I, I had a bad temper. You know, I, I would talk about people and I talked about it in a previous episode. Well, you made me mad. Well, they they did something <laughs> and, and I got mad because of it. But everything beyond that is on me. So talk about as a behavior change specialist, when somebody encounters an, an act you know, that somebody else does, how do you deal with that? How do you talk somebody through the ability to manage their actions and their behavior after a catalyst like somebody else doing something that made them mad? Yeah, you know, I, that was a great example that you gave, you know, like you made me mad. So that was the trigger because a lot of times we hear these anger management and, and it kind of makes me laugh because how do you manage anger? So it's more like trigger control. How do we can control the trigger? So if somebody makes you angry, they can't make you angry without your permission. So whatever they're saying will resonate with you, whether it's true, not true, maybe it's not true. And the reason why sometimes we get angry because there's a part of us that believes that it could be true. So we, we react, we don't respond, we react in anger or in anger is a secondary emotion. You know, a primary emotion would be, I felt disappointed. I felt disrespected. I felt, you know, we don't use those words. We default right to anger because a lot of times that's just what we know how to do. We just know that anger, it works for us in some way it serves. And when we teach people that when we get angry that, you know, to leave us alone, depending upon the severity of how, how much we react back to them. So a lot of times, as I'll say, if somebody says something to you, is it true or is it true perception? I mean, which right. one is it? So if I said to you, you know what? You have the craziest, curliest, longest hair I've ever seen in my life. Would that bother you? Not me personally, but there's some people that certainly would. Right, I mean, but it would bother you personally. Tell me why. Why wouldn't that bother you? Because I know it's not true. Because it's not true, right. That's- so, But if I said to you something like, you know what? And I'm, I'm just, I have to pick out something to make my point. So I'm just going to say. That's fine. I don't get offended easily. Okay, so you okay. Can, you can say Perfect. whatever you'd like. Like that is the weirdest shaped goatee I've ever seen in my life. Could that offend oh. you? And now that that I could understandably get somebody upset. I mean, and uh because maybe I, you're shaving that morning and you notice maybe oh it's not really that even, and all of a sudden I pick out something. So now there's a belief system there. You believe that there may be some truth. So now you're gonna react to what I'm saying. I triggered you. That is so true. You know, I, I it's not very often people talk about primary and secondary emotions and 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 I love the fact that you brought it up because you're right the the primary emotion is generally the catalyst for the secondary emotion so people talk a lot nowadays about emotional intelligence and, and being able to recognize your emotions and and getting a handle on them and in fact I I just uh did an interview a few weeks ago with uh, a gal named Stephanie Pinto who specializes in emotional intelligence for children and uh, I, I love this thing nowadays when they talk about emotional intelligence, but I, I had totally forgotten about the primary emotions and secondary emotions. So if you can talk a little bit more about that and how 
how it's not just a matter of like I talk a lot about not allowing our emotions to dictate our actions, but even more so not allowing those primary emotions to springboard into a secondary emotion, which then springboards into a maybe a negative action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times we feel as though, and I'll, and I'll give you an example of this as well, that I don't have control over my emotions. If you're a parent, and let's just say Johnny just really got you upset. So you're yelling at Johnny, right? And I always feel bad using a kid's name because if somebody's listening and their kid's Johnny, you know, like, oh, you know, derails them a little bit. But and they're and they're, you know, they're yelling at Johnny. And then all of a sudden your phone rings and perhaps it's your boss. You're yelling at Johnny. Johnny, I told you not to do this. Hello. You can change it. You can switch your emotions like that. You can turn them off. You can turn them on. Emotions lie to you. You cannot let them hijack you. Because just because you think it doesn't make it true. And a lot of times with emotions, it comes a lot of times is miscommunication. So you're best to ask questions. If I said something to you that, you know, made you kind of think a little bit about it, like, can you tell me what you meant by that? Because this is what I heard and this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like that was a pretty crappy thing for you to say to me because of this. And, oh, I didn't say it like I meant this. So it's about communicating, effectively communicating and finding out what that person meant so that you do pull up the right emotion. That is such an important point. That is such an important point. And, and uh, another thing um, that I've talked about with other guests and talked about on the podcast is, is people often listen to uh, respond rather than listening to understand and mm-hmm. i think that does drive some of that uh, those negative primary emotions because they don't get everything that somebody is trying to say because they're listening more for them or listening more so that they can respond uh, rather than truly truly mm-hmm. grasp the concept that, that that people are talking about they don't hear it because they're listening like you're saying to respond so they're not even hearing the words that you're saying because they're already trying to formulate their response. So right now they're not really hearing their, it's more centered. It's more what I'm feeling at the moment versus what you're saying. Yep. That's, that's absolutely right. So tell me, Deborah, what are some of the tools and and techniques that you use to help somebody who may have those anger issues or, or maybe they have that, that inability or, or their self perceived inability to control their emotions in situations like that? What are some of the tools and techniques that you would use in in a coaching session with somebody that has that type of an issue? Yeah. One thing that I love to do, I like to go digging for roots. I love to find roots of where it stems from, because when we can find the root, we can expose the root. Then we can deal with the issue and get rid of it. I don't like to deal with symptoms. I like to deal with root causes because that's where all the symptoms, because like I said, anger, it's, it's an, it's a secondary emotion. It's doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it true, but it just makes you angry. And sometimes people have been angry for so long they don't even know what they're angry about, you know, or if they're yelling and you say, stop yelling, I'm not yelling because they're just, that's become their identity. So I like to, one of the first things that I love to do is find out who you are. You know, and one of the things that I tell people, know who you are before the world tells you, because the world is always going to have their opinions of you always. So it's about finding out who you are, you know, not what people think you are, not who you think you are through this person, that person, but who you are and start working in truth and then finding out 
you know, what, then I call it trigger control. I don't call it anger management, trigger control. What are the triggers that set you off and then give them or give the person some tools and techniques on how to deal with those specific triggers, what thought, what questions to ask, you know, because we don't have to respond. Like, you know, if somebody says something, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to, right? You can just, you know what, I'm not doing this. You know, you got to sometimes know your audience and who you're going to respond to and who you're not going to. And, you know, we, we work through that. We do, you know, you know, exercises. I might say something like, just to solicit a response and just see how they respond to it. And then, you know, as weeks go on, weeks turn into months, months turn into year, you know what? I'm not so angry anymore because we found the root. We found out the root cause. And it could be because a coach told you in third grade that you weren't a good basketball player. So you spent the rest of your life angry and trying to prove to everybody that you are enough, that you are good. And a lot, like I said, usually it's, Somebody close to you that's spoken, you know, if it's uh, at a young age, has spoken something into you that may or may not be truth. You're absolutely right. Those those root causes are, are certainly the, uh, when it comes to the mind, I think a lot of people, they, they're they looking for a quick fix. They're looking for a, uh, you know, a magic pill. But, but you're right. It, it's when it comes to mental health and the mind, you you can't just go for that quick fix. You do have to go for that root cause, and I think that's incredibly, I think that's incredibly important as far as a technique goes and the way that you're doing it there. Because, um, like I, you know, I've talked many times about how I, I used to deal with anger issues and and the the things that I had to do. Uh, now I never had a life coach, and but I, I'm guessing if I probably did earlier. It wouldn't have taken me nearly as long to get rid of a lot of that anger that I had. So uh, that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast and talking to people like you, Deborah, is feeling out how you go about doing what you're doing so I can present that to the audience. And and maybe they don't have to take as long as I did on my journey to get past a a lot of that anger. So uh, of all the things that you coach, I I know you, you do parent coaching, you do marriage, uh, weight loss, uh, standard, you know, um, you know, standard a- anger, anger triggers, uh, kind of coaching. What is your, what is your favorite thing that you specialize or, or what's the thing that you just really, you really dig the, the thing that most fires you up when, when you get, get a new client and they tell you, okay, this is what's going on. Um, you know, which direction are we going to go? What's, what fires you up the most? Oh, that's tough. See, I've been coaching for so long. So I've had the privilege of, of touching and getting certified in other, you know, coaching areas where, you know, I'm not new to this. So I haven't just tried to say parenting. I haven't done marriage. I've been doing so many different kinds of coaching and I've fallen in love with a few of them. Um, weight loss happened by accident. I was not a weight loss coach per se. And then, um, I had a weight loss journey. I've lost a hundred pounds. So I, yeah. And that it's like five or six years that I've kept it off. So I've learned through behavior, how to do that. And so that became, you know, and then when I started coaching it with the, with an emphasis on behavior, weight loss, people started losing weight. And even if they didn't get to their goal weight, you know, in our eight weeks or, you know, whatever allotment of time that I, you know, whichever program I taught, they weren't gaining the weight back. Because, you know, they learn to change their behavior, change your behavior, change your life. But one that, you know, I love helping people 
find what on earth am I here for? Like, well, I, I, I got to find direction. You know, I need direction, you know, cause there's two important days in your life. Do you know what the two most important days in your life are? I, I couldn't say what you tell me, what, what are the most important days of a person's life? The day you were born and the day you find out why. And that's what I love to do. I love to help people find that their purpose, because I believe you're here on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. And I love helping people find that roadmap on, on how to navigate that and figure out what it is. And then the other one, and I'm very passionate about that one, as you can tell. And the other one that I absolutely love is I love parenting. I am pro family. I love the family. I love blended families. You know, I think they should be called crockpot families because you cannot put a family into a blender, you know, whip them up and then just, you know, Hey, this is going to work. No, but I love parenting. I love teaching tools and techniques and, and watching families thrive, especially in this day and age where you see a lot of kids running the households, you know, and, and it's hard to watch sometimes. It, it certainly is. You know, when I, uh, when I've, and I've talked about this, uh, you know, before with, with other guests, the idea that, that a lot of households now are run by the children and you can tell me what your thoughts are on this. And, I, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the blended family thing as well. But the idea that, that a lot of parents nowadays uh, are more concerned with uh, being their child's friend than being a parent. And then also the, the idea that, uh, you know, I've talked about this in a previous episode uh, I think one of the most important words in the English language or in any language is no or some variation of no and and, and mm-hmm. making a child understand that that should be the first word that they understand in my opinion. So talk to me a little bit about uh, you know your parental coaching when it comes to that. I really need my my child to like me. I want them to be my friend and then and then kind of lead that into, you know, what you're talking about when you're talking about you love the the blended families and, you know, not a not a blender so much as a, as a mix of, of different people in the household and, and different personalities and how they can work together. Yeah, I, I do hear that a lot. You know, that my child, she's my best friend. No, she's not. Your child is going to love you unconditionally. And, you know, sometimes you see those parents, and this is so sad, that abuse their kids that hit them, you know, we're talking just a physical abuse and those kids still go back to them, that unconditional love. So you don't have to worry about your kid not liking you. You don't, they, they, cause they love you intrinsically. It's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it all. And we're meant to raise our kids. We are, it's a privilege, I believe, to have children, you know, whether you foster them, whether you have them on your own, whether you adopt them, it doesn't much matter. I think that it is an absolute privilege and it is a responsibility to raise our kids, to be marriageable, to be employable, to be um, productive citizens of society. They're not going to get that, you know, by accident. They have friends. They need somebody who's going to raise them, who is going to take them from point A to point B. And, you know, if you listen to some of the advice friends give friends, that's not the advice I would give my kids. You know, I, you know, it's about teaching them. It's about showing them. It's about being the role model that they need to see. Now, as far as blended families go, um, you know, right now, blended families are making up more than half of our families because the divorce rate is so high. So that a lot of marriages now are blended families. And when you go into a blended family, it's, you know, it's not 
harmonious. It's not the Brady Bunch. And I think that for the older generation, you know, we, you know, Alice was there, Mike and Carol, everything was good. The kids got along. That is not real life. A lot of the time, sometimes it is sometimes, you know, you get lucky and everybody it, it meshes, but more often than not, it doesn't. And it's about creating a safe environment and teaching um, parents you know, the, I always say the first couple of years, the biological parent does all the parenting for that, for their child, not cross, you know, the, you know, you meet this new guy and you think he's great. And all of a sudden he plays daddy. No, the child has a dad, whether that child's still living on earth or whether that child's father has passed on, he still has a dad. He, you're not replacing that dad. So it's about learning your roles, learning your place in a blended family first to, you know, to set down the foundation. That's so important. And it's funny that you bring it up because I, I have a blended family. I have a stepson uh, who I love dearly and I, I love him as much as he, he could have been uh, if he was my, you know, own blood son. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, I, you know, he's, he's uh, got a father, he's got a father and, and a father that I'm never going to replace. Uh, but, you know, and, and I'm truly blessed in the fact that um, I get along with his grandparents. I get along with his father um, we, we make everything work the way that it needs to work. It's certainly not the Brady bunch, like you talk about, but mm-hmm. we are certainly more blessed than, than a lot of families and, and working through that, uh, is, is so important because yes, uh, there, there's too many families out there who often don't, don't get along or they, uh, are in a toxic household where, where one parent is bad mouthing the other parent things like that. And, you know, thank God that, that we don't have that situation and, and we, we aren't fighting that battle, but that, that battle is there. So that's something that, that you've been able to talk people through. Then you, you work through that, you work through that with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we don't have control over the other side. Let's just say it's a co-parent situation and we, we don't, we can't control what happens in that house, but we can control what happens in your house or her house, whosoever house that, you know, that child's in and learning tools and techniques, you know, kids are going to find out on their own. We don't need to bash mom. We don't need to bash dad. They're going to find out on their own. What is what, you know, a lot of times, you know, and kids don't need to know that dad didn't pay child support this month. It is still their father. Tell it to a friend, tell it to your new spouse, tell it to your parents, your kids do not tell that they don't need to know that. Right. Yeah. When it comes to the, uh, the mental well-being of a child and, and the, you know, just the, the mindset of a child, you're right. They, they will figure out, you know, what path each parent is taking. And I do believe you need to always take the higher road. It's, it's such an important thing uh, for the development of that child. And, and, and quite honestly, you know, I've got a sign that, that on, on my wall downstairs in, in the living room uh, that my in-laws got me and it says the greatest gift uh, a father can give to his children is to be a good dad. And I also, uh, you know, I'd add to that one, another greatest gift that a father can give to his, uh, his children is to to show how much they love the mother. And that's, you know, we, we show a lot of love in our home. And, and uh, if there's one thing my kids will always see is, is how much I love their mom. So I, I love that. But again, I know that that takes, a lot of coaching in some situations because there is that that blended family dichotomy that gets that gets uh, gets things a little wonky at times and and there's there's people that just don't know how to do it. Another thing that you had brought up when you said the two most important things in uh, a person's life 
are the day that they are born and the day that they figure out why. That, that plays into uh, this past week's episode when I was interviewing Ben Colloy. He's the host of the uh, Military Veteran Dad podcast, and he's also the host of the Business of Fatherhood podcast. And he, he's all about you know, bringing, bringing dads home, military veteran dads, and, and the importance of, of leaving a strong legacy for the children and being a good father after you come home and, and, and getting through that. And he coaches, coaches dads for those things, which is so awesome. But he talks about no amount of success outside the home can make up for a, a failure inside the home. That is definitely true. I'd rather be a rock star in my own home and a failure in the world any day of the week. Oh, day. It, it, it's so important. The parenting aspect and and that's that's another reason that that uh, that I invited you on is because I I know you work with a lot of families and and a lot of children and then you have four children of your own uh, and, and some grandchildren. Is that correct? Yeah, I have four children and I have two of the most delicious grandsons on the planet. Yeah, they are mm, they're the best. Yeah, very very nice. So when it came to now when you were raising your own children, were you already into the life coaching or did the life coaching manifest itself after you saw and, and experienced some of that as a parent and then a grandparent? Yeah, I, my youngest at the time was two. And it was funny because I, ha- I was, ha- I hosted a woman's group and we have a bunch of women come over and it was more or less to like a Bible study. And we would talk and we, and if questions came up that I didn't think I could answer, I would refer them to a friend of mine who was a um, counselor. And one day she called me into her office and she said, you know, you're sending me all these people. I'm, you know, very grateful for it. However, you're telling them exactly what I would tell them. And I know your youngest son, it is only two. And I don't think you want to go back to school, but there's this program called life coaching, which this is what I mean. I've never heard of it before. So she gave me the blueprints for it. And that's when I fell in love with it. So I was kind of like, I always say I operate out of a gift because I know things that I shouldn't have known before I went to school, before I was doing it, you know, kind of thing. So it kind of, it kind of is always, it's who I've always been, who, you know, but now I just have a little bit cooler quotes or, um, you know, a little bit more, what's what I'm looking for, a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more schooling, you know, to be able to be more effective. And now being a grandparent, like when you said about the legacy, I want my legacy to outlive me. I want my legacy to outlive my grandkids. You know, that's what it's about. It's about pouring in to their lives. You know, like I said, it's a privilege to, to be a part of, you know, especially the grandkids to see that, to see your lineage. It's amazing. I, I mean, for anybody that's a grandparent, they'll truly understand, you know, that, but I, they make me want to be better and, and be more effective and go out there and make a change. I want to leave my fingerprints on this earth when I go and let people know that change is possible. You know, that a lot of times we don't live our dreams because we're living our fears because we're so afraid to step outside of our comfort zone into our courage zone. And I always say, you know what, sometimes you got to go on on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Take risk. It's worth it. You know, so they make me better. That is, that is so good. I mean, I mean, it's like you're following this true calling. I mean, what you're doing and, and like you said, the, now you've got better quotes, but, but it's something that you've always had inside you and being able to do it. Talk about that, that comfort zone to a courage zone. I, I see that you, you say you like to engage in daily activities that push yourself outside of your comfort zone and, and into that courage zone. 
and, and it helps you in, in what you do and, and make you who you are. So talk about that a little bit, would you, Deborah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've done some crazy stuff. I'm like one of those ones where you see people walking across the coals, the fires. I've done that. I've I've done when I tell you some of the stuff that I've done. So usually if it scares me, if I, you know, going through the day and if something scares me, it, it's now it's kind of ingrained in me. It's a habit. Oh, that's my next step because that scares me. So I like to face my fears because here's the reality. If we don't step outside of our comfort zone, because nothing good ever happens in the comfort zone. It's in the courage zone. That's where your self-esteem comes from. That's where your self-confidence comes from. That's where I can talk from a place of being genuine and authentic is because I've actually done what I'm telling or saying, you know, like it's not as bad as it seems, you know, trust me. But when you step outside, when it scares you a little bit, then that tells you, okay, I'm going to face that fear. I'm going to face it because the worst emotion, in my opinion, is regret. Because there's nothing you can do with regret. The only thing you can do with regret is make peace with it. Fear, face, regret, peace. And I like to face fear. You know, life is risky. Let's, let's, you know, let's face it. None of us are going to get out of this alive, right? So we might as well go for it. I'm not saying be stupid, but I'm just saying, you know, ask the girl out, ask for the promotion. We have not because we ask not. Take that step forward because a lot of times we don't know what's on the other side. But I'd rather go back and say, I'm glad I did versus I wish I had. I, I have to tell you that in my personal life, there is, and I started this, I don't even, I, I was probably a young adult, maybe even still in my teens, but I learned very quickly that regret is something you can only make peace with, but it may be one of the hardest things to make peace with because it's, it, it always, it, it kind of sticks there with you and, and, but, but yeah, that, that fear, face it, uh, you know, regret is Regret is always, you know, I talk about things, well, this is done. We've got to get past it. We've got to get over. It. We've got to make peace with it because there's nothing we can do about the past. And I started saying at a very young age, you know, I'd rather regret something that I did than regret the fact that I never tried it or, or never did it. And, and that's, that's incredibly important. And you're right. Stepping outside of your comfort zone, look at, look at all the people over the past year. And, and I don't want to sidetrack us too much here. But look at all the people over the past year who uh, skipped holidays with family or skipped visiting relatives or skipped doing this, doing that, doing the other thing because they were so afraid of, you know, this scary virus, which obviously mm -hmm. is a, it was a big problem for a certain small portion of the population. But the reality is, is there's so much life that was missed over the past year because People were afraid to venture out of that comfort zone. And, and a lot of people probably will never, ever get back or get an opportunity to see that relative that they, they didn't go spend time with this year because, of you know, and it, it's so it's so painful because after this after this past year, past year and a half, it's, there's going to be a lot of regret that people are going to have to deal with and they're going to have to make peace with it. And a lot of that is going to be a lot easier than said than done. So I think people doing what you're doing uh, as a, as a life coach, as a behavior change specialist, getting people to step outside of that comfort zone and really do today what they may never get an opportunity to do again. It's so incredibly important.
Yeah, I agree with that. Thanksgiving, because I'm down here in Florida and my family's all up in Boston and it was Thanksgiving and I'm like, we're going. And they're like, what? I'm like, we're going, we're going up. We had the best Thanksgiving. The kids um, haven't seen snow. My youngest never has never seen snow. We drove up to the mountains in New Hampshire. We saw snow. We had the best time. No regrets. Absolutely no regrets. We're, you know, washed hands, wore masks. We did, you know, like I said, I'm not going to not be, you know, be stupid about it, but I'm going to use precautions, but I'm not going to live my fears. I'm going to live my dreams. And I got to spend time with my family and it was amazing. And I, I think, I think the more people that actually live that way, the better the world will be. You know, I talk on this podcast, I always talk about bettering the world one attitude at a time. Everything we do is about attitude. Mm-hmm. We have to compartmentalize those fears, face those fears, get over those fears, and just do those things, or we're, we're never going to truly live life. I, I believe we're here to not just live life, but to live life fully. And uh, like you talk about, build a life you love. It's not. It's not just a matter of of living for the sake of living. You got to yeah, live for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's why I say I help people live the life they were created for, not the one that they were given. Because you can't help some of the things that cards that were dealt to you. You know, growing up or maybe the way that you were raised, you can't help that. But what you do have control over is how you play those cards. That's where the control is. So taking control of your life and living the life that you were created for. Because I don't think we were meant just like you're to your point, just to come here and just you know, survive, we're meant to thrive. And it's a choice. It comes down to a choice. You know, we can choose to be safe, you know, which is a good choice. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not promoting recklessness here. I promise you, I'm, I'm a very, very safe person. Um, but we can choose to just step outside of the, and like I said, and when you see, you can do something that you never thought you could do before. There isn't a feeling in the world that can mimic that, that sense of accomplishment. And that's what I love to do. I love to help to help people accomplish the goals that they set before them, or how do I get from, you know, A to B? And I'm like, you don't have to worry about the how. When you know the why and why you're doing it, the how will present itself. Let's just go along for the ride. It's a journey. It's amazing. I I, I don't work. I show up. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, the exhilaration of accomplishing something that you never thought you had within you and and, and never thought you could do. Once you accomplish that and, and make that happen and face that fear that that rush that you get that sense that sense within your soul is uh is one of the best things in the world i've been there i've done that and it's a it's an incredible thing now deborah you've come up with some great quotes so far know who you are before the world tells you who you are and the the two most important days of your life the day you are born and the day you find out why tell my listeners if you had to sum up what's a couple sentences that'll tell everybody who Deborah Keegan is and why it's so important for somebody who may be battling a, an internal battle. Best go for it in, a, in you know, in a couple sentences. sentences to know who you are. Like I said, you took that one, know who you are before the world tells you when you know who you are 
it, it's empowering. Now, how I do that, I'll even show you, I'll give you a little technique right now. My name is Deborah, and that's what I start with people's names because you're only given two things in life. You're giving your name and you're given opportunity. What you do with that is completely up to you. So my name is Deborah. So what I do with people, and I'll use my name as an example, as so I am Deborah. I am discerning. I am empowering. I am brave. I'm an overcomer. I'm resourceful. I'm adaptable. I am Deborah. I say that over and over and over again. When I started out, was I always brave? Absolutely not. Do I feel like I'm always resourceful? Absolutely not. The subconscious brain is always listening. It cannot tell the difference between a truth or a lie, whether I say it to myself or whether you say it to me. So the words I am, those two words are retraining your brain because your brain is meant to protect you and it will always keep you consistent on who you believe that you are. So if I tell myself, and this is a true story that I am resourceful and I just say it over and over again, a couple of weeks ago, I could not figure something out for the life of me. And then it, like all of a sudden it said, but you're resourceful. I'm like, you know, whoa, I'm talking to myself now, you know, but I'm resourceful and I figured it out. So it's who are you? Know who you are. I would rather you shoot high and miss than shoot low and hit anytime. Take the risk. Step outside your comfort zone. And if anything else, do not care or think about what other people are thinking about you. They are not thinking about you because they are thinking about themselves. And if you're afraid of failing, I say, come out of the gate. Do an epic fail, like a really big one, because anything you do after that is going to look brilliant. That's awesome. It is so inspirational. And I think the messages that you're conveying here on this episode are, are going to definitely going to hit high with, with our listeners. Such important stuff. So do you have any events coming up? I, I know you've got the uh, DebraKeganLifeCoach.com website. Is there anything that you've got coming up? Anything that you would like to promote? Anything for that, that can help my listeners? get a hold of you more so than just the website or I am working on that right now as we speak. I'm working on a, a summer survival guide for parents, for the kids that are out of school. That's one that I usually do every year. Um, I would e- either put that up on my website. Um, that's coming up. I am probably going to do a parenting series in the summer. I do ages 4 to 11 and then 5 to 12. And then I do a blended family series. I'm working on promoting that up, putting that back out. Because before, a lot of people were too afraid to come out or they're Zoomed out, to be honest with you. You know too like I don't want to go on another thing with zoom so I'm working on putting it all together now so hopefully in the next several weeks there'll be a few things um out and if I do a lot of coaching one-on-one coaching family coaching blending and I can do it via zoom I coach off of several platforms located here in Tampa Florida um I meet with families clients as well very good very good and all that uh, all that information on on the summer courses and and the things that you've got coming up will be posted at, at DebraKeeganLifeCoach.com? Yeah, probably weight loss one coming in the fall once the kids go back to school again and getting ready to not just lose the weight for the holidays because you hear that, well, the holidays are coming. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going to do it for you because you matter, you're worth it, and your health is important. So important. So important. Everything that you're doing is important. And uh, again, at the D-Rate to Hate podcast, we're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. Master Life Coach Debra Keegan. I think what you're doing is certainly bettering attitudes, bettering lives, you know, helping people build the life that they'll love. So I, I greatly appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up. And uh, I hope to have you on the uh, on the podcast again in the future when you've got something coming up. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Great conversation with you. Friends, I hope you got as much out of that interview with Deborah Keegan as I did. There were some really great notable quotes in there that you can also find in the show notes, by the way. 
couple that come to mind for me, talking about root causes, talking about primary emotions and secondary emotions. Most of all, knowing who you are before the world tells you who you are. And then the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. So again, so incredibly grateful for having had Deborah Keegan on the D-Rate They Hate podcast. And friends, share us with your friends. There's so much good that comes out of this and comes out of the guests that we have here. And really, it's all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. So what have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? You know, it really starts with when you're out there, be kind to one another. Be grateful for everything that you've got. And remember, it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. Again, please subscribe to the D-Rate They Hate podcast. Share us with your friends. Drop us some feedback wherever you get your audio. It really helps us out. And uh, if you got something to say to me, just go ahead and email me. Wilk at WilkesWorld.com. With that, I'm back on audio. We'll catch you next week.